0: All right. It is none other than time for Doc Talk. Right here on Podaholics coming to you partially from the Rove Hotel Downtown Dubai and in their podcast studio and partially from Jumeirah somewhere <laughs> probably on the beach, maybe not looking at but what we do have is dr jenna burton joining us and we have a spectacular conversation on backsides lined up for you you're gonna love it uh, it's, it's gonna be fun jenna's here let's get going it's backsides and fun i don't know James,
1: this is the first time I've ever done a podcast with you and I've not put on my video. So yeah, you're I could be literally anywhere. All
0: right, well, that's the thing. That's why I think you don't have it on. I think you might actually be in your car on Kite Beach. And you got a latte in one hand, a recording of a baby crying in the other hand. and uh,
1: <laughs> if, only, if only it were that glamorous. But no, I'm, I'm sat in my bedroom. I have got a baby in my left arm. She's fast asleep. Oh. Um, I just look terrible James so the video is off because I can never trust when these things are going to get aired and yeah so it's off
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know I, I've seen you at your worst in, in videos when you said oh I'm like, it's like yeah really it's like uh, are yeah, you heading out to the Armani restaurant for lunch or something because you don't <laughs> look horrible at all
1: you are trying to make up for the fact <laughs> that the last time I saw you you were on fire <laughs> on fire with your Instagram <laughs> because then when Andrew walked in after me, you started firing them away at him too. So I think today you just, you feel remorseful about that until you're trying to make up for it. So please, please, I know what you're trying to do. It's not working. Just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so, so things where we are going to have another conversation in, in, uh, in a future podcast about the weeks after, giving birth and the, you know the physical physiological hormonal all that stuff but also the challenges with multiple children and the body just not wanting to do the things it it you know the textbooks would say it should do in the way the textbooks would say it should do things we want to have that conversation eventually because i i i'm still of the feeling that people don't and, and women and even men, women don't have the conversation so much with each other and men don't have the conversation with women because it's like, oh, women's stuff. I don't want to know about that. It's like, <laughs> no, makes, you know, so I think that conversation needs to be had. And, and we kind of introduced it. I've introduced it actually with another podcast that I did with a, a catching up podcast with a wonderful woman, uh, Farah, who is behind a Campaign is behind a, a whole, a whole not-for-profit philanthropy philanthropic exercise called Yomini. Um, I, I hope I got it right, Yomini, which I is.
1: I think it. it looks great, James.
0: Yeah, it's all about menopause. And she's got this whole thing going with uh, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. And she's created this whole structure. And, and really, it's just a, it's a conversation for women to have with each other about what's going on. And so we had this conversation last week, actually. And it hasn't come up yet on the podcast, but it will. And, it, and it's just, I think it's sort of going in a, in a way that there's all these things that need to be spoken about.
1: I think, um, and, and the reason I vetoed this conversation today is because I'm actually in a bad way today. I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. So I wanted to distract us, like myself, with something totally different to talk about. But when we do get onto it next week... Or the week I'm, after.
0: Or the week Whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready.
1: But I'm, I'm looking forward to having the conversation because uh, I think the reason women don't talk about it is because it's such a busy period postpartum. Yeah. And that you're so sleep-deprived that actually you tend to forget... Mm. But I'm in the thick and the throes of it. So I will remember every single gory <laughs> detail. So let's, let's definitely have that James.
0: Excellent. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. And, and I think it's going to be quite informative and educational for everyone concerned. How, how are the cars running by the way? How are, uh, how are your vehicles doing? Are they, they, uh, are they are both on the road and in, in, in rolling form or do you got one in the garage?
1: No, one has been in the garage. Thank you to Glenn from PowerWorks, the Glenn, the car guy has been helping us very much with our car. We got quite a cheap Land Rover that yeah. uh, it was kind of towards the end of its life. And we thought, we well, you know, we'll just get it as a little run around. We've already got our main car, which is our like old school Pajero, which I didn't like at all when we got it. And now I've fallen totally in love with it because it's just such a reliable car. I actually quite like the drive, but the, the Land Rover, it's just been, it's just been a money pit to be honest. Every time, we take it out, it ends up back in the garage. And the problem is what we didn't didn't realize is that you cannot fit three car seats in the Pajero, uh, but you can Land Rover. So now what was supposed to be our car just for little runabouts is now doing some serious mileage. Oh. So we're at that point where do we keep throwing money into this dying car or do we suck up the cost uh, and, and get, get ourselves a new one that can fit three car seats? These are the things that people don't think about yeah. when you end up having another child.
0: That's I didn't realize a Pajero can accommodate three car seats for kids yeah. easily.
1: No. And it's it's actually, when we first got the car, to me, it seemed huge. I thought, gosh, this is such a big car, especially from England, where our cars are nowhere near as big. You know, it's not quite as common to have a four by four in Dubai. Everyone's got a four by four. Yeah. And now compared to the Land Rover, it seems tiny. It seems like a really <laughs> small car, but you cannot safely get three car seats into the back. Mm. And there's actually only a small handful of cars. You can get three car seats into that back row. And in the front seat, you have the airbag, which you cannot disconnect unless oh. you also disconnect the driver's airbag. Huh. So so it's not what we had thought is we'd be able to disconnect the airbag and put a car seat in the, the front. It's not an option in the Pajero. So it, there is no way of having three car seats in there.
0: Well, not
1: safe, anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, there we go. That's good to know. That's really good to know. So what are you, uh, if you do ditch your money pit of a Land Rover, what would you go for?
1: I personally would actually go for a new Land Rover. I really, really, like, I actually really like the car, but my husband, I think now he's been put off Land Rovers given the problems that we've had. Uh, so I think we'd look at, well, one, a big car. So we're looking at the, the big Ford Expedition. There's um, the Range Rovers, Can house three cars as well. There's also, which is the big Volvo, the big four by four Volvo that can also house three car seats?
0: Ah, the 70 or the one of
1: those. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are really great cars. I, you know, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but. I have grown to love Volvo cars so much. We had one back in the UK uh-huh. and I hated it again when it arrived. So I thought, God, this is ugly. I'm turning into my dad. I've got a Volvo. And do you know what? What a great car that was. It was a, a it was a big estate car. It was this horrible, like a light blue color that my husband picked. And it was, it could drive itself on the motorway. It would recognize when you were tired and give alerts to make you wake up. It was comfortable. It had a million gadgets on it. It was so easy for the boys to get in and out. It was just a brilliant, brilliant family car. And I was so sad when we were moving to Dubai and we had to let it go. So yeah.
0: Well, man, that sounds (laughs) it. I I thought you were a Cadillac lady too. So I, I remember you used to own a caddy, didn't you? No. <laughs> I thought you had a Cadillac I, when you were. Was it, what didn't you didn't you want a or or was that a uh, was that a a, I had a Lincoln. Oh, a Lincoln. Oh, there we go. So the so the, the Lincoln Navigator. You're right in there for the the Navigator, the Aviator.
1: I absolutely loved the Lincoln. It was my favorite car ever ever in the world. And my little boy is named Lincoln and everyone thought we named him after the car and that is what not true. We actually named him after Lincoln Burroughs,
0: was it? Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was called Link. Everyone was first yeah. with Link. And we were like, what a cool a cool name. Yeah, Prison but Break.
0: What? There we that go. It.
1: it just so happened that I had a Lincoln car. That's a great car as well, but very hard to sell.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. So this will be interesting to follow this story, but the the real issue becomes which one is more comfortable for your backside because that's where we're going on this talk. (laughs)
1: That was a tenuous link, tenuous (laughs) link. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh man you know it's it's funny because when 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 i threw this up here it's, it's only because i've been on all these you know looking at the websites and and stuff and who knows what the heck websites i'm looking at but it's all people who've got backside issues you know hemorrhoids and fissures and and i'm and i was reading this going really like is this for real so i casually mentioned it to a few people i said you you hear more people oh yeah man i got a big problem with that and i'm like going
1: what what websites have you been on? <laughs>
0: I don't deserve, Like <laughs> Google suggests stuff. I, I don't know. It's like, it's bizarre, isn't it? I think it's because I'm always looking at health sites and things. It just starts firing up these random conversations about stuff. It's like, what the, why me? But you're,
1: you're the right age group and the right sex, right gender to start to have these issues. I mean, you can get them at any time, but for whatever reason, just from experience, I find that guys over the age of about 50, yeah. As I say, male, they tend to, I, I, I don't know why, but they just tend to present more frequently than anybody
0: else. It's weird, right? And and it's, it's funny because I'm, what, 55, and people are saying to me, oh, have you gone for a colonoscopy? Have you gone and had the old uh, the old scan up the, the rectum? And I'm going, no. And they go, oh, you should, my friend. And I'm going, what are we looking for? And why is, oh, you know, colon cancer and polyps and this, that, and the other thing, how's your stool movement? And I was like, what? no why are we talking about this and they said dude you you, don't don't delay and that's why that so that helped lead into this conversation with you as well
1: yeah i mean you're talking about colonoscopies which is a little bit different because that's looking into the bowels as a part as opposed to the passage which is what i think initially um we were going to have a little look at today but it depends what country you're in so I think in america it's quite routine to get a, a colonoscopy every few years in the uk it's not really something that's as common unless you are somebody at risk and mm. um, consider colon cancer and that usually means that you've had symptoms such as significant rectal bleeding or ongoing bleeding uh, especially if it's um, it's new or altered bowel habit that, we, that is unexplained or that you're somebody that's got a significant family history. And that's normally a first degree relative with colon cancer.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and I always find that interesting that, that we've got medicine is medicine is medicine. It's dealing with the same body and it's using similar things to deal with issues. But you take North America, you take even within North America, you've got Canada, you've got the US, you've, you've got America itself, you've got Mexico in there as well. You've, you've got this whole continent that's dealing with medicine slightly different. You've got Europe, where each country seems to have some different thinking about things. Then you head down to Australia, New Zealand, it's the Wild West there as well. It's, there's, there's not this uniformity in how people are thinking about things, often tied to the funding of medical systems.
1: Do you also not find it really sad that pharmaceutical industries are the private industries and therefore a lot of research is not shared? Yeah. I, I think it really sad because of course, Money makes the world go round, doesn't it? And that's how everything is able to progress and move forward. But ultimately, it's it's something that is in the best interest of the population as a whole, not just the population of the UAE, not just the population of Canada or the UK, etc. It's it's population of our entire nations together. And I, I find it really sad that we don't share more information. I just think that's really sad, especially, especially in pharma.
0: I, I agree with you. It's, it's kind of weird, actually, because it, it just seems counterintuitive to the whole yeah. area of study. And no, it's, it's everyone's kind of holding on to their data because, oh, this might help us with a better treatment or something we can patent or, 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 or. It tends to be, it start coming about money again.
1: And I think what the biggest difference I've noticed from working in an, a non for profit uh, environment, such as in the UK, so our good old NHS, compared to here and it, it, again it's how it funded it's just that people are much more willing to share knowledge and share information in the UK and it's all about educating I could turn up as a locum doctor on a shift so I'm not even part of the, the hospital or the resident staff and I just rock up today to fill in a shift and you would be so surprised at how generous the consultants and the registrars and mm. the senior doctors to give you information and it's just it's automatic so if you come across a patient that may be unfamiliar with everyone will want to teach you and then you teach the more junior people and it just it's just a cycle of constant sharing of information whereas here in in the UAE and it's nothing to do with the UAE it's just because it's a bit a more private system you don't find that knowledge sharing in fact. People are all trying to, I often find, pretend they know more sometimes than they do because they don't want to get caught out because right. they're selling themselves as this, you know, all-knowing being, which obviously you can never be in medicine. And I've always been quite open with, you know, you can't know everything. Everything changes daily. It's such a vast, vast topic that there's always going to be bits that other people have read more about than, than yourself. And you should try and you know, accept your limitations as a physician but also people aren't as willing to share because why should I share my knowledge? I've worked hard to get that. That's how I attract my patients. And I think it's quite sad and I, I much prefer the system of it doesn't really matter where the money's coming from. We all should help each other because ultimately the yeah. all is the same.
0: I, I want to, I, I agree with you. I I think, it let, uh, do you, do you see this change ever coming about? Do you, or do you see it becoming more polarized as, as governments and, and organizations try to offload costs? What do you think?
1: Uh, it's hard to say, James, because I think a lot of it, it's, it's a culture change, isn't it? And mm. the culture is probably the hardest thing to change. So in Dubai, there is becoming more of a medical community. And I really hope if that can continue to sort of thrive, then yes, there will be, there will be changes. And I know now in medical clinic, basically a lot of the students, the actual medical students that, that go through Dubai, the Dubai system itself, because now they have a really good university mm. um, where they are teaching doctors. So rather well, than just bringing people in from overseas, they're actually teaching them up and training them here. And again, that would probably be a, a seed into change as well. MediClinic's a big a big system here. There's lots of clinics, there's lots of hospitals. So it'll just change the mindset, I think, of the doctors and encourage them to start educating other other doctors. Doctors to be or, or existing doctors, so I certainly hope so.
0: Well, let's, let's hope. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Where we want to go, though, and we yeah, want to jump into it. us
1: back, things on, <laughs> It's, it's only just
0: Well, I know <laughs> we we've we've both got limited time, and I really want to jump into this. All joking aside. Issues with the rectum and the anus are serious, and there are and, and I sort of did the, the, did the, the the litmus test of this a I 'm getting all sorts of stuff, but you walk into a drugstore, you walk into a pharmacy and you take a look at the shelf that has things to deal with hemorrhoids or fissures or and, and the list goes on and there are a lot of different things out there from creams to baths to stuff it's not just a little niche. You know, one by one, you know, twelve inches by twelve inch little piece of the shelf. It's it's big. It's big time real estate taken up, which makes me think this is kind of something that's going on. And I, I you know, I'm sure people are kind of saying, "I got a, pr- a problem down below. Can you you fire me at the shelf where I need to go?" Because it's huge. And so I thought, this is a great opportunity for us to have that talk.
1: It's an embarrassing topic that people don't really like to mention, isn't it? Yeah. And also. It's actually something that sometimes the symptoms can can seem a little bit more sinister than they are. So for instance, let's talk about the most obvious, which is hemorrhoids. People know it, know them as piles. Oh, is, that, okay, go, is
0: that what piles are?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't realize it's the same thing. It's
0: Cause, Cause in, in North America, I think we're almost exclusively call them. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I only remember people call them hemorrhoids, roids, you know, but I, I I've, I've got piles. I don't remember people ever say, I mean, I've heard the term, But I don't remember hearing people talk about it so much. So ah, there we go. Thank you very much for that. Piles, hemorrhoids, same thing.
1: That's an American. That's an American term, like a colloquial term, piles. Uh, And yeah, so say someone says, "Oh, I've got piles." What they're actually referring to is fresh red blood, often that they see on wiping. Now that's quite that's quite a scary thing to see. So you go to the toilet, you wipe your bottom and you see fresh red blood people can get quite concerned sure so the difference between bleeding internally so within your colon and and um, what you would suggest as hemorrhoids is the fact that one you just tend to see the blood on wiping or it happens just at the end of the bowel movement it's not mixed in with your stool and it's only only tends to be a smaller amount of bleeding as well and you can often get like a discomfort at the same time in your in your rectal area so it might be like a burning or a stinging and all these are signs to say that this is something that's not doesn't tend to be sinister and it's hemorrhoids and a quick examination would show you external hemorrhoids rather than internal hemorrhoids and the difference is can you see them when you look at your back passage or are they a little bit higher up so that you can't see them? And so it's usually quite easy to distinguish. But people can get very, very anxious and very nervous, run to the doctors, which you should absolutely do if you do see bleeding. But they can have, be in quite a state thinking, gosh, have I got colon cancer? Is it something serious? And actually, it's just something very benign and it's very common in, in a
0: lot of people. When, we, when you get bleeding, let's say it's, you know, it's just superficial bleeding like that. I mean, it's, it's you've got you've got a bowel movement happening. You've got stool. There's a lot of bacteria. Is is this not an issue for infection and more to to sort of create? Is the environment created where we could see secondary things developing, or is that not so common?
1: Yeah, absolutely. the The more common thing that tends to get really can be really badly infected is if somebody gets a fistula. Mm. And that is effectively where you get an opening other than the rectum, you get an actual opening from the end of your bowel to the outside world. And it tends to be around the anus region, but it's not actual anus. So it's, it's a totally new opening. Oh no. That is not only very, it can be very painful, but two, the infections that that you can get in that can be absolutely horrendous. I mean, I remember seeing somebody, I went to do a a locum shift in Bolton and uh, it was my first ever A&E shift. And um, and I, to be honest, I was probably too junior. I think they'd they'd hired me by accident because I was fresh out of university, and I needed my hand holding the entire evening. So I so I remember the evening very well because I was like you know a fish out of water. Something that would never happen now, by the way, in the UK it's all much more regulated. But years ago, they used to just sort of give you some give you some needle and say off off your trot, figure it out. And I think it was even worse ten years before I graduated. And um, this, this poor guy came in and it was, it was probably the most frightening thing I'd ever seen. There was pus coming out, oh no. it was huge, it was, uh, there was fresh raw tissue. Uh, and what it was is he'd had a, a fistula that had become really badly, badly infected. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I mean, that's serious antibiotics immediately swabs of the region to try and establish, you know, what, what is in there. Uh, usually admitted for IV antibiotics, which tend to be a little bit more hard cutting than oral antibiotics initially. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, the infections get nasty. And the other thing is that the infections tend to be a little bit different to your normal infections because of the fecal matter that's in there. It's not always um, an aerobic um, how do I describe bacteria tend to like oxygen don't they but when you are looking at something where there's fecal matter or something from inside the bowel it tends to be an anaerobic so some an, an environment without oxygen and therefore it's a different type of antibiotic that you need because it's a different type of bacteria that lives and thrives in that environment
0: so what, what ki- I've got two questions one is what kind of treatments then do we have and two are some people more prone to having issues with their anus. Maybe folks who are doing a lot of bike riding. Maybe folks who are, are seated a lot on hard seating. Do we do we have any sense of treatment and people who are more more prone to having issues?
1: Yeah. So if you look at hemorrhoids, because they're all slightly different. So if you look going back to piles and hemorrhoids. Being overweight having constipations, having to strain a lot are really common common causes for hemorrhoids. The other thing is pregnancy, because think about the amount of weight you've got. Also, Mm. pregnant women can often get quite constipated. So the combination of extra weight there and also having to strain a lot for your bowel movement are are really good reasons that you would end up getting them. Uh, Also, just as you get older as well, you tend to be more inclined to get hemorrhoids and the, the actual vascular tissue down there tends to get a little bit more fragile so it's more likely to bleed so that that's one of the main reasons and you've mentioned also doing a lot of sitting can be yeah that can also Mm. um be risk factor for hemorrhoids and then how do you how do you treat it it's, it depends on how bad they are so there's different grades of them and it also depends whether they're internal or external the most common is that you would give someone a suppository so it's a medication up the, up the posterior james and it's usually like a mild steroid okay and it helps to reduce the swelling down there, or you can give them a cream as well for the region, and and that usually works quite well in the majority of people. And you'd also talk about diet, trying to reduce the, the how how stiff uh, sorry how solid their bowel movement is, and try and maybe give a little bit of a laxative or a stool softener mm. if they're suffering with constipation. Talk about exercise exercise can help people to encourage bowel movements more more gently Uh, and also to talk about weight management as well if it is sort of a weight issue Uh, and the other thing is then if that doesn't work you're looking at injections again usually a a small mild steroid to the region to try and try and shrink the vasculature a little bit so you don't get the bleeding and worst case scenario you are actually talking about surgery wow which be honest it's but it's not frequent it's not it's not a, a first line thing that you do you would have normally have excluded every other option first and and usually the 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 more gentle things are, are, are quite competent to actually getting rid of the hemorrhoids so it just depends on the individual and how resistant and how severe their hemorrhoids are um and then if somebody is suffering quite badly with hemorrhoids, they also are at risk, especially if they're constipated, of getting an anal fissure. I'm sure you've looked at this with your reading because they're they're nasty. <laughs> oh, man.
0: I, I, not only did I look at it with the readings, and then there was some website that decided, you know what, we're actually going to uh, show you some pictures. And it was like, oh, I don't, I do not want to see these pictures. But you know, it, it's and it, and it, like you said, it's like, whoa, this is really. I all I kept looking was going, man. This has got to be painful. I'm just, my eyes were scrinching and I'm I'm just going. This is I, I, I can't even imagine how much that must hurt. And is, is
1: it one of those situations where you didn't want to look at the picture, but you can't help but look at the yeah, picture?
0: Exactly, you can't help but look. You don't want to look, but you can't help but look because you're you're just going in the back of my mind. I'm going, yeah, make note of this because I don't want to get in that situation. It's <laughs> exactly what it was.
1: Oh yeah, and anal fissure is is effectively just as it sounds so it's part of the anus which is the sort of the external um part of your bottom um where the stool comes out and a fissure is basically like a cut so you get a really nasty little cut in the side of your bottom And, and that can be so painful to to pass bowel movement and obviously the bigger the fissure the worse the pain is and again it's treated in quite a similar fashion actually to the hemorrhoids it's kind of pain relief um, and also trying to reduce the inflammation to the area, reduce the, if it's a weight issue, looking at that, but usually it tends to be more related to constipation because it's pushing and it's a hard bowel movement that that's actually tended to cause a fissure that's it's actually cut, cut your anus. Um, also, people sometimes are in so much pain, they have to get a little little ring to sit on. Oh, so I've seen to people down. with
0: those. Okay, yeah. Don't, don't sometimes... That. What's that?
1: Imagine sitting down with that on no. your bottom painful?
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I can't. That's the thing about it. I've seen. I've, actually, I've seen quite a few of those at the drugstore. And I always often wonder, oh, is this, you know, for guys who've had vasectomies? Is this, are people using these who've recently given birth? Like, what are people using those for? All the things start going through my mind. Of course, I'm not asking because I don't want the person to think that I need it. But, you know, it's like, hmm, interesting.
1: Well, probably all those people are using James. It's not just for people with anal fissures, it's it's for the, the works. I mean, pregnant women that have had a pziotomy, so a cut um in order to increase the vaginal opening to get out a baby. Yep, they use them, people with anal fissures. And sometimes with anal fissures, if they are not responding to the more gentle treatments, so the conservative management, they will need to be stitched up. Wow. So they will they will actually require I mean it's a very, very minor surgery. Yeah. We're talking about a case. But still, that uh, you still have to have your bowel movement. So even in the recovery phase, you're still going to the toilet. So it's 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 hard going recovery. It's it's exceptional. Painful. So you got load these people up on painkillers, try and get them rested and give them aids at home so that sitting and just doing general things are, are a bit more yeah. comfortable.
0: Are, are we, in some cases, those folks who are, are finding themselves in a situation with fissures and, and hemorrhoids and that, are we part of our own worst enemy here in that we, we hope that it's going to go away? We kind of ignore it until it's gotten to a point where it is urgent. Is that something that you've noticed? <laughs>
1: I think that is a very fair comment because it, especially when it's something down below. So when it's in an area that people don't want to go and show a doctor, yeah. they don't want to talk about, they'd rather pretend that it just didn't even exist. They will leave it and leave it and leave it until the point that it's actually, it's a lot worse and a lot more difficult to manage. Yeah. So I think that's a very fair comment. And if you see bleeding or you have pain down there, don't be afraid to go and see the doctor. You've got to remember that Doctors have seen these things a million and one times. You know, in a clinic, you'll tend to see one every day. Wow. It's just, it's common. I mean, I'll have to. i tell you this, and you might end up editing this out, James, and that's fine. But my husband and his friends have got this uh, tally. They, they do this weird game where they like to guess the answer, and everyone has to put in an answer, and they all have to give their guess, and then they find uh-huh. out the real answer, and and see who was the closest, and they don't win anything. But this is this is how they spend their time. So the, the guess was how many penises have I seen? And obviously, this is not in my personal life. Yeah, this yeah. is professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the people had guesses up to about a thousand or whatever, and I'd say that that was probably accurate because we see them all the time. We see we see everything. There is nothing that we don't see yeah. because. It's just part and parcel of the job. Sometimes people come in with a minor hand injury. Sometimes it's in the throat and sometimes it's in areas that people would rather it wasn't. And that is just part and parcel of life because medicine doesn't isolate itself to the areas that we want it to. Mm. So go and see, no one's thinking anything of it. I've seen them a million and one times before. So yeah, better to get checked out early and nip it in the bud.
0: So the other, the other question I have is, is when we start looking down below, does cleanliness and, you know, am I thorough enough? You know, maybe, maybe a bidet is a good thing to be using. We, we unfortunately get them in this part of the world, but in lots of parts of the world, bidets have kind of gone out of fashion. does the whole cleanliness of my backside also help to influence some of these things?
1: I mean cleanliness won't prevent you getting hemorrhoids and it won't prevent you getting anal fissures the only thing it will help prevent is is, is the infections so Mm. by staying clean down below you're less likely if you get a fissure for instance for it to get infected and to get a lot more nasty but you also have to remember that when when our skin and when everything is intact, uh, that that area is is actually it's it's actually meant to be unclean. Almost, okay. it's it's an area that is allowed to be unclean. What's not allowed is for areas around there to get unclean. So for a woman, there's other close by structures right. that you don't want to get uh, dirty, and therefore that's why you're always told to wipe front to back. But if you do have a breakage in that unclean area, such as an anal fissure, then then you are open to a rife infection, and that can get nasty very quickly. So yes, so you're right. Yes, it does matter and it doesn't matter, um, but obviously for everybody, it's better to be clean anyway. Right. So you know, you'd encourage. And and uh, different cultures use different things. So the UAE, they're like the bidets, as you say. Well, oh, the, the B-Day, as I say. The, the
0: B-Day, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, there's, a, there was a, there's this great ad that's out because you can now buy, and I've seen this on a few sites, but you can buy these retrofitters, kind of like the Japanese toilet system for a regular toilet that also helps to turn it into a B-Day. And the, their logic is that when your hands are dirty, you wash them. You don't just wipe them off with, you know, with a paper towel. You wash them. So why wouldn't you wash your backside? And I'm going, well, that kind of makes a lot of sense actually. And again, to promote, you know, cleanliness and and such. So that's why that was kind of leading there. If if I was using the B day, if that doesn't actually help promote a better environment down below.
1: Oh gosh, James. I mean,
0: <laughs> six of one. It's, it's, it's quite, potatoes, potatoes. Right. It's gorgeous.
1: like. It's, uh, I mean, each to their own. I think as long as you keep everything nice and clean down there. I have friends that in England, they take bottles of water with them to clean themselves. Uh, And I have others where a tissue is... Tissues where they draw the line and they don't want to go any further. And I think as long as you're having regular showers and you are wiping and you make sure everything's clean, whatever you feel comfortable with is is effectively right. And of course, there's going to be like levels. If you're going to use a, a, a B day, then yeah, it's going to be a bit more clean than than wiping. But just make sure it's clean down there. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. so do, do it as you will. Just make sure it's clean.
0: I, I'm I'm curious though in Japanese culture. I got to talk to some folks from Japan because they've got all these fango wang. Toilets. I'm wondering, do people actually use all these features, or do they just use the thing as it's, you know, bog standard? Here we go, the unit, or do they use all the features? I wonder. I, I, I don't know. People just never talk about it, but I, I do wonder.
1: Yeah, I, I have no idea. I have literally no idea. But all I know, and I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in the UK, if a toilet, like is in a bathroom, had a B day, it was a very posh place, right? So like. And if you went to a hotel and had a b day, then it was very, very well to do. Whereas here, you know, most bathrooms are also a <laughs> standard, aren't they? In yeah. home. But so it was considered like the gold standard. But nobody used it, though so nobody seemed to use it, but it was very posh. It was a very well to do house or establishment because there was a B day. <laughs>
0: there we go. Yeah. No, I agree with you for sure. I it's it's I, I think it all comes back down to what we where we started here. And it's, you know, Get this stuff dealt with. If it, if you're you're aging, think about your diet. Think about your your movements. Think about all these things that are going on, and it's all these. It's a chain, right? And as soon as you some of the things get out of whack on the chain that's existing here, you're you're setting yourself up. So don't just be be mindful of what's going on and deal with it as it's happening.
1: And I think as, as well, a lot of people will think, right? I've got hemorrhoids. I've read that I'm. I'm potentially a bit constipated and yes yes actually that rings a bell i am a bit constipated so i will self-treat with some bulk forming laxatives and sometimes that's actually counterintuitive because you do need to have fiber in your diet and a bulk forming laxative effectively Mm. makes the stool firmer but sometimes for some people that's actually not what they need and they need a stool softener so something that will draw more water into the stool to help pass it so Self-diagnosing, looking at Google can be great, but everyone is a little bit different and sometimes it is worth just passing by and having a, sometimes you don't need to be examined and, and then a conversation and just taking the history from somebody is enough to diagnose these things. And then if you offer the treatment and it sorts it out, then, okay, there's been no need to actually have a look. For others, you will need to take a look if it sounds a bit more sinister or it's resistant to the initial attempts at treatment so you know don't don't go thinking well one of you do go don't worry if someone has to have a look because that's part and parcel of going to the doctors is that you you know you, you bait effectively you leave your dignity at the door and you pick it up on the way out and it doesn't matter what goes on in that room because the physician has seen everything before and two sometimes we don't even need to have a look you know sometimes a history can be a barn door history and you know you can start off with some management review the pa- patient in a week or two and if everything's been sorted then that's it no need to even have a little look so so, so don't worry but yeah just go along
0: There we go. I I think we've, uh, I think we've thoroughly covered this topic for now.
1: (laughs) That's not like you, James, you normally love to talk about these gory things. You love anything to do with the ass. Generally, you're really intrigued.
0: (laughs) It's weird, isn't it? But you know what? You've answered all my questions. So I'm thinking the world has now had their questions answered and they are, they're going, okay, I'm good to go. (laughs) Literally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a whole world out there, but yeah, just these are the really minor day-to-day things that that we tend to see in the clinic on a very regular basis. So go and get them checked out.
0: And on that note, we're going to wrap up Doc Talk with Dr. Jenna Burton. She's coming to us from somewhere in Jumeirah. I'm coming to you from the Rolf Hotel downtown Dubai in the podcast studio. We're going to do it all again really soon. You've been listening to Doc Talk right here on Podaholics.